Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. As always, we, we bring you the best guests. I just love who we have here today. We have Annika Sorenstam with us. Annika, how are you today? Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. We've got the best golfer of our generation on the Best Ever You Show. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a really, it's an amazing moment here. So, you you know, we were chatting a little bit before we went live on the air, and um, you started golf at age 12, and, but you had other sports, too. How'd you pick golf, and at what age did you start golf? I love it. You're right. Uh, you're right. I started with a lot of different sports. My parents were very sp- very sporty, I guess, growing up in Stockholm, Sweden. Of course, skiing was uh, something uh, that uh, came kind of naturally with the season. But I played a lot of soccer. I competed in tennis for many years. I just loved uh, Bjorn Borg. He was uh, obviously a national hero, but also a role model. And I wanted to do, I wanted to play tennis just like him. So, and then, you know, you sprinkle in other sports from, you know, things you pick up in school, volleyball, badminton, and maybe a little basketball. I just, I don't know. I love being active. I love different sports. So golf wasn't really introduced to me. Well, it was introduced to me, I should say, early, but I really didn't have an interest, uh, not until the age of 12, when I started to realize how much fun golf, you know, how much fun golf is. And, and uh, you know, at that time I was, again, very active in other sports, but golf kind of caught my attention. Were you instantly good at it? You know, I you know, I wasn't really serious. I would hit a little bit, I putt a little bit. You know, my parents stopped playing, you know, nineteen sixty seven, nineteen sixty eight maybe, so a long time ago and and then my mom she credits my success because she was pregnant with me, played golf, so she says that I got the <laughs> rhythm really early. So uh like I said, I was I got uh I've had golf in me for a long time but you know, as a young kid, it was more about chasing a ball, being part of a team, and, you know, felt like more active. I felt like golf at the time, you know, it was a sport for older people, you know. It's just, just walking and standing in one place, and I just didn't get, I just didn't get the charm of the, of the sport until a little, little later. Yeah. Did So now 89 worldwide victories later, including 72 on the LPGA and 10 major championships. I hope I have those numbers right. Um, what's life like for you now? What are you doing these days? Well, these days, uh, you know, I'm a full-time mom. I do, you know, my husband and I, we do run a business, which is, well, we call it, it's Annika Club 59, which is my golf business. You know, I'm lucky to still have eight corporate partners. You know, we have a foundation, Annika Foundation. I design golf mm-hmm. courses. And then I have a clothing line, a collection with Cutter & Buck, one of the premier uh, brands in clothing. So, you know, I feel like I'm I'm equally as busy. I was trying to run a household and, 
being a mother and a, and a wife and then the business on top of it. So, you know, time goes by and I'm actually, I'm very happy with what I do. Life is good with a combination of a little bit here and a little bit there. I, I tell people I still have my foot in the game, whether it's, uh, you know, just being part of the drive chip and putt, which comes to my mind because it just happened, you know, just about a week ago. Um, and then, you know, I have a golf course design grand opening May 18th and, uh, you know, and I have a corporate outing after that. So it's just, I always have something going on that that's relevant to golf or sharing my passion for the game or mentoring young girls to Danica Foundation because we do have six junior golf tournaments around the world, which has been pretty neat. You know, 10 years, we've been existing for 10 years and uh, I feel like we have quite done quite a bit and, and we're moving forward for the next uh, 10 years to make an impact in the, you know, with these young girls, the next generation of, um, of golfers. That's awesome. Do you can we can we can you talk a little bit more about your foundation? As I as I click over to it here, it's Annika. Uh, sorry, AnnikaFoundation.org. I knew I would do that. A N N I K A Foundation.org. Um, do you want to tell us just a little bit more about that because that's uh, that's changing lives for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, no. When I uh, decided to step away from competitive golf. You know, I knew I wanted to somehow inspire the next generation and uh, just thinking about, you know, my knowledge, my passion and, and what come close to my heart, you know, as junior girls, you know, been there and yeah. not saying done that, but, you know, been in their shoes where, you know, trying to, you know, start to play the game, learning, and then, you know, maybe have opportunities to play some bigger events, maybe even have a chance to go to college and then obviously moving forward to be a professional. And I've, I've gone that route. I've had that journey. So I wanted to share, you know, my stories, my mistakes and my findings to, you know, help these young girls to make good decisions. So we created Danica Foundation in 2007. And, uh, you know, of course, it's about inspiring them. It's playing opportunities where golf is a platform, but we have a tagline called more than golf. So it's not just the competition and, and that's it. You know, I, I go to these events. I spend time with the girls. We have sessions where I talk to them. They get a chance to ask questions of things that, you know, might be interested or a little bit of a concern to them. We would have educational session and it could be anything from a fitness session, nutrition session. We have had, um, you know, people, experts in social media come in and talk about the importance of it, but also how to use it properly. And so different mm-hmm. topics that could be of interest and just kind of help these young girls on their journey. And, and uh, of course, we want to inspire them and, and get, you know, get them start dreaming about what, it, what, you know, their future could be like and so forth. So, again, we started with a tournament in, in the U.S. and then we went to China. We have one actually coming up in um, – I leave just in 10 days for a tournament outside Hong Kong on the invitational there. Then we have one in Europe in Sweden, and then we have one in Latin America in the fall. And wow. the top three in each event will get an invite to our main event, which is kind of our flagship event in the beginning of the year, which is being played at the World Golf Hall of Fame facility, which has been a, a neat little tradition and experience to kind of continue to feed this inspiration. So, you know, we have a college event, too, uh, where we give out an award to the best collegiate female player, Division One. It's, you know, presented by 3M, and we're super excited because it's in Minneapolis where the 3M headquarters are, 
and mm-hmm. uh, they'll be playing the Annika course moving forward. But again, it's just giving opportunities to these young girls to continue to, the game and obviously, you know, share the stories and and because uh, we know that this yeah. is you know the next generation of superstars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it when people mentor other people and give back in the way that you're doing. It's it's to be commended. Um, I'm on AnnikaAward.com, and I gotta I gotta tell you, Leona McGuire must be quite a golfer <laughs> to win your. You know, she's the first ever two time winner of your award presented by 3M. Um, do you want to say a little bit about her? I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. No, she is. Uh, she's uh, terrific. She goes to Duke. She's from Ireland. She has a twin sister. Uh, but yes, she can play. I mean, she's the number one world ranked player in in the world. But just a little bit on this award that I said, Donica Award, presented by 3M. It's it's not award just based on performance. It's actually an award where uh, your teammates, coaches, and the media they vote on a player that you know has an impact on team spirit or you know this being, mm-hmm. you know, special out of your team. So, you know, Leona has obviously won that. And I think it's pretty neat when you get recognized from your peers and maybe coaches. So it's not just about how many birdies you make. It's more about who you are as a character and individual. Yeah. And and you were talking about 3M in Minnesota, which is where my whole family lives. So that's neat. Thank you. <laughs> that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk about, talk about course design for a moment, if you would, because that is – is that – is that hard to do? Is it something that comes naturally to you? Is somebody helping you? What's that like to design golf courses? That's yeah, amazing. I mean, it is, I, you know, I, it, it's hard. I mean, I do not have um, a degree in, in landscaping architecture or anything like that. <laughs> I, you know, I partner with people that do, that have expertise as far as that area is concerned. I am, I come in as the player, obviously, somebody who, knows where you know when we talk about you know we obviously have a piece of land we talk about the routing but I come in and talk about the length of the holes tees you know shape of the greens what type of bunkers you know um, playability of a golf course how you play it you know that if, if it's a certain distance you know you imagine yourself hitting certain shots into the green you know there are some rules I would say how you you know, to make it a memorable experience. And that's where I come in and, and create, hopefully, uh, a golf course that inspire people to play and want to play it again. It's, to me, it's about making it looking natural, of course. Uh, number two is I like having courses that come back and what we call returning nines. Uh, because it's you know not everybody wants to play eighteen holes all the time. We you know seems like life is so busy for everyone that nine holes will will do it too, and uh, a variety of holes. And when you think about a golf course, you know every hole is always a little different. You know it might be a dog leg left, or it might be a dog leg right, or drivable par four, or maybe a three uh, three shot hole and a par five. So it's I would love every hole to be a little different. I want every hole to challenge yourself. It doesn't mean that every time you're on the tee, okay, I need to hit the driver. Maybe a few holes are more about strategy. Maybe a few holes are more about, you know, finesse or, you know what I mean? It's just a little mm-hmm. variety there. I want you to be able to use every club in your bag. So, you know, it's everybody has different philosophies. I mean, there are some great golf course designers out there, but they have the whole package as far as, 
you know, just knowing irrigation and all of that, I'm not going to pretend that that is my strength. But uh, (laughs) so, you know, so I have partners that pick me up when, where I have my weaknesses. Well, that's that's life, isn't it? That's it. That's a great thing. Makes everybody makes the world go round. Um, do you ever get tired of being asked about you know Ms. Fifty Nine and you know all of that, or can I can I ask you that again? <laughs> I'm sure you've been asked of that course. so much. No, no, go because, ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, that's I, I'd love for you to just talk about it because um, you know that's amazing. A fifty nine on a golf course. My husband was joking before we went on. He's like. Um, I think I do that in the first three holes. <laughs> you know, I'm just a terrible golfer. But um, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. What's that moment like? Just take us there. Yeah, Please. thank you. No, I, I don't, I don't get tired of that. Obviously, I'm, I'm very proud thank you. Um, of that moment in my, in my career. And to be honest, I, I mean, I wonder, you know, what did I do that day that I tried to do all the other days, and it still didn't happen. <laughs> so. You know, it was just, of course, one of those days when things went your way. Um, but, you know, in my mind, I've always visualized shooting 18 on the par, meaning you birdie every hole, because I think it's possible. But, you know, growing up this golf course, I would play hole after hole, you know, round after round. And, you know, through the summer, I would birdie every hole at one point. So I always thought, well, why can't I do this in a row? You know, what what's holding me back? So... You know, I talked about fish, uh, shooting 54, and people would look at me, and I said, hey, you know, it's possible. So, obviously, when this day came, March 16, 2001, you know, I was I had a kind of a, just a normal warm-up, and uh, but I got off to a good start. I birdied, you know, the first eight holes, so which I've never done before. And <laughs> my mind was racing, and I was thinking about a lot of things. And, you know, when you're thinking golf, it's uh, – it's not a good thing. I was trying to stay focused. Uh, I parred number nine, and then I par, and then I made four more birdies. So I'm 12 under after 13 holes. And you know, it's just you know, I'm trying. To, I've analyzed this round to death. I mean, that's you know, that's one of my strengths or one of my weaknesses. I always like to improve. And of course, I hit, I hit every green that that gave me 18 birdie opportunities. But I just never really thought about the second pot and. It was just one of those days where, you know, you just had the line, you had the feel, and things were clicking, and sometimes we hear people talk about it, being in the zone, you know, what it's like. It's just when things are smooth and there are no hiccups and there are no, you know, very few mistakes, and it was one of those rounds, and I was just, you know, I remember coming down the the last hole, the adrenaline was pumping so much, and I had to kind of club down. I was hitting it so far because I was so excited. And uh, I had a putt for 58 that just kind of sneaked by on the left side. So, no, it's it's obviously it's a neat moment for me in my in my golf yeah. career, and and to be the first to do it. As of now, I'm still the only one, but I'm sure that will change um, <laughs> time. But uh, yeah, it was pretty neat. <laughs> it's a, your people's goal. <laughs> amazing you know i was i was googling you for for a while before we were talking coming on the air and people have named their children after you do, do people ever come up to you and say you know i named my little girl after you do you know that have you ever googled yourself i do yeah no <laughs> I it's, it. that's i mean i think that's the i mean the ultimate compliment oh, it really is i you know cute. so yeah it's um no it's flattering in many ways and you know but you always hear those stories, and a few of the stories have surfaced where these young girls 
uh, actually play golf, and I met two of them <laughs> last year at a U.S. Girls Amateur Championship, and I thought that was so neat, you know, to see them yeah. playing golf. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's, awesome. it's a very nice compliment. All right, so we we're wondering if you could teach us something while we have you here on Best Ever You. Mm-hmm. Could you teach us how to overcome fear? Do you have any thoughts on fear? People always get a little paralyzed by fear. Yeah. Why do you have any thoughts? Well, first of all, I would say that everybody has some kind of fear. You know, we have fear of different things. And, you know, growing up, I, you know, I would say even today, I'm quite shy. And, you know, I was shy in school. I didn't want to raise my hand because I figured if I raised my hand, then I answered the wrong thing. You know, the other kids would laugh at me. And, and in golf, you know, when you win a tournament, at least growing up in Sweden, they wanted you to give like a little winning speech. And I was just terrified of being up there on the stage in front of everybody and say something. So I would miss on purpose. And so I had the fear of just kind of being in the limelight. I had the fear of, of everybody staring at you. And, and you can pro- you probably wonder, well, how, how in the world can you become the best golfer in the world uh, when you're afraid of people's opinion or just, and, you know, I had to overcome that. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm extremely driven and I work hard and I got upset at myself for, for missing on purpose when I, that's all I worked on. I mean, these were intentional (laughs) mistakes and, you know, it would drive me crazy. And so my parents, uh, you know, they, um, they made me speak at the next event, whether I won or not. And my dad said, just bring your seven iron up on stage and, and hold it so you're comfortable and just say something. And it's not the end of the world. And I just said, you know, normally I like the clubs to do the talking. And I left that day realizing that it wasn't, you know, I made it worse than than I mm-hmm. had thought it would be or anticipated to be. So going back to your question, you know, face your fear. I think we all have different fears that we either avoid or we try not to think about it or we don't even acknowledge our fear I think it's okay to acknowledge something that scares us or something that we you know feel very uncomfortable with and you know some things you can avoid I mean some things you don't have to put yourself in certain position but there are other things in life where you might even deal with this on a daily basis and I would say to people you know face your fear you go up there and address it your way address it the way uh, you think it needs to be handled and uh, I think preparation is the most important part. You know, if you're ready, you know, spend time improving or spend time dealing with it or figure out how you can work around it in a way that you – because the more we push it to the side, next time we come to the situation, it's going to feel worse. It's going to be bigger. And I can tell you that when I left um, the University of Arizona and mm-hmm. 10 years later, uh, they called me. Uh, you know, the, the president of the of the university called me and said, hey, we would love for you to give the commencement speech here. I mean, you can imagine me. <laughs> gave I, me said, well, I, said, no. <laughs> I said, you must have called the wrong person. And they said, no, we want you to do <laughs> it. And, and, you know, my first thought was, you know, are they kidding me? This is not for me. But I wanted, you know, just like golf, I, you know, I've, I made a promise to myself that I'm going to work on my weaknesses. I'm going to get better. I'm going to grow as a person. So 
before I just said no and hang up, I, I told him, can I think about it? Because I just wanted this to kind of settle and figure it out. And, and I realized that this is, this, is a, this is a fear I have. And the only way for me to get better is to accept this challenge. So I accepted the challenge. And, of course, it's a huge honor. And so I turned it around, you know, to, for, for every reason why I should do it. And I practiced literally for six months. And I know that sounds like a long time, but that's what I needed to mm-hmm. overcome the fear of speaking in front of, you know, 10,000 graduates, and especially when I hadn't graduated. I left after two years. So, you know, I worked on it, and I ended up doing it, and I survived. I was quite pleased with my performance, so to speak. And that's when I realized that it's, you know, oh, okay. don't run away, you know. Yeah, yeah. don't run away. You survived. And have the like to do something. Yeah. Was there a moment where you thought you might not? <laughs> Guess where well, I feel about know. public I mean, speaking. I thought, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I thought you can think that you're going to fall on stage or, or you would say something very silly and embarrass yourself. But, again, if you're prepared, if you if you know who you're speaking to, I mean, a lot of people yeah. get butterflies. A lot of people get sweaty palms, and they just hate standing in front of a group. But I tell people just, you know, if you take a little time, yeah. figure out who your audience, you know, who are they, and what do you do? What do you think the message is? And then put your thoughts together. A lot of times you'd be surprised how you deliver, and it feels a little bit of a, an accomplishment that you're like, hey, you know what? I took a step forward in my life. Yeah. I continue to be surprised how, it, like, you can just help one person, and it change, it can change their whole world. And in the world, you've helped just even one human being. So I'm sure that speech was amazing, and, and you helped a lot of people, and, and were quite inspirational. And, um, can we talk about goals, like how you set goals? Do you set goals? How, how does that work? I was asking people about goals. I love goals. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And I, I've always set goals. Um, I talk a lot about goals. And, you know, when I mentor these young girls with the foundation, it's, it's about, you know, having a roadmap, you know, having a destination and, and a purpose. And um, instead of having, you know, just like a goal randomly, I always say, okay, Look at your goal, and then maybe, you know, is it a long-term goal? Is it a short-term? You know, it helps have short-term goals to get to a long-term. And an example, obviously, is, you know, winning the U.S. Open was a goal of mine. But I said, you know, if you just think of winning the U.S. Open, it might feel very far-fetched. So, you know, have that goal more as a, as a vision, you know, something down the road. But that's kind of what you're striving for. But now let's go back to business and let's think about your daily routines and actions so you turn into short-term goals but yeah I mean it's it's goals in golf it's goals in personal life it just kind of helps you keep on track and and you know some people need it more than others especially to stay focused if you're determined to achieve something you know have something that you know you can kind of check off and say okay I've, I've done that and it's just mm-hmm. I agree with you it, it's really important and if you want to just get somewhere um it's a way to segment up your, your journey. Do you think, um, so one thing that I always like to do is I like to ver- like vocalize my goals. Like I'll write them down and I'll, and around my birthday every year, I'll kind of write a, a list of kind of things I'm trying to, trying to do, but I always try to mention them out loud to other people. Do you see any value in that? Cause I found great success with that because some of my goals require other people's help. 
Yeah, yeah. I think people are very different. I mean, I think some people might not want to share it because they are they might be embarrassed, you know, or they mm-hmm. might think that oh, that's not a you know some some goals for some people are maybe not that important to others. So they might feel like well, you know, maybe they think that this is you know not that important even though it is for you. So. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to share them because I think it might turn people off, especially if you don't achieve that goal. They might feel <laughs> like now they're going to hold it against me that I, you know, I'm more of a talker than a doer. So, but, you know, having said that, some people are the other way around. It's like, okay, now this is news. So I better do it. You know what I mean? That they're more committed. <laughs> some people yeah. lie down and then they, and then they wake up and goes, Oh, I was supposed to do this. So, I think it really depends on your personality. You know, with young girls, I talk to them. I talk about their goals. And I said, but number one is it need to be your goals. It's not about your parents' goals, you know, to do, you know, to go to a certain college or grades. You know, there might be their wishes and they will support you. But I think it needs, goals need to come from your heart. If they don't come from the heart, I think they're very difficult to achieve because if they don't, it's like, okay, do they mean anything to you? I think a goal needs to mean something, something that you strive so that makes you do it. Because, I mean, to improve in something or do something takes a little bit of an effort a lot of times or sacrifice. And if they don't mean anything, it's easy to kind of skip that. So I think it's it's very, very different. But, again, it's got to be your goals. And, you know, don't – some people are very afraid to set lofty goals because then they feel like, if I don't achieve it, then, you know, I failed. I don't think there is such a thing as failure. It's more just, you know, you got to try and, yeah. and learn. No, I get what you that. mean. I mean, I'll, yeah. I mean, all the best entrepreneurs in the world, they probably have 20 businesses before they even get anywhere. And if failure yeah. is, is – if failure stops you from trying – you know, you got to rephrase it and say, "Hey, that's just part of part of life." I mean, anything you do. I Love mean, you, you know, my my daughter watched all these do-it-yourself videos, and she goes, "I can do this," and so she does it, and it doesn't turn out. And I said, "Sweetie, how many times do you think that they taped this video? This is probably <laughs> the hundredth of time that they did this, and you know, their marshmallows didn't explode in the microwave or whatever it is." I said, "It's just you just yeah. got to try and keep and keep Little trying, YouTube. but." And yeah. yeah, so I think with anybody, it's it's okay. And keep in mind, you might not get to the final destination, but I, I bet you that you have come further than when you started. So oh, I love your thought. Take that as a, take take it as a something you got to do. Oh, we just got a lot of thank yous on that one. So thank you for sharing all that. That was that was insightful and really helpful to a lot of people. I'll bet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on your website again. I'm on AnnikaFoundation.org, and there's this really cool picture of you with all these trophies they're all up on mm-hmm. um gray pedestals um where what where is that do you mind tell like uh, yeah in an office it's my office yeah i love it so. that's what i thought that's <laughs> great mm-hmm. I, and i noticed i noticed something about you you seem to always have a necklace on do you am i perceiving that wrong i love your jewelry i know it's a weird question on the uh, radio but I, yeah no i do i do wear something yeah you're right um I mean, I do have my jewelry. I think a lot of it is, um, it has a meaning. Like, actually, the one I'm wearing right now is uh, an umbrella, an umbrella that I got from the Anna Palmer family, uh, his Mm. daughter, Amy Saunders. And it was because I was part of the 
Anna Palmer invitation out here at Bay Hill in Orlando. She gave me a necklace for supporting the event. So I think a lot of my jewelry is, you know, there are, has a meaning that maybe inspires me or just thankful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big shopper by any means, but obviously when my husband gives you something, it, it means something. So <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Oh yeah, I've I've noticed it in every picture, and it's always something really neat. I'm trying to figure out what's on on your neck in this one because I love this. You've got a green dress on, and there. If you ever if you ever want to tell me <laughs> off air or whatever, if you go back and look at this picture, I'd love to know what that is because it's really pretty. It's a silver mm-hmm. piece around your neck, and you're in a green dress with all your trophies, and it's really neat. I just, I love jewelry. My mom owns a jewelry company, so that's it. Caught my eye. Um, sorry about that, mm-hmm. Jen. Off the off the off topic a little bit. Um. Can we talk about NBC before we go? Because you do you, yeah. do you mm-hmm. yeah you regularly appear as an analyst. Um, do you want to take that? Because that's a pretty neat. Yeah. That's you yeah. Know, um, I actually haven't done it in in a year now. I've been very busy with the Soham Cup captaincy and so forth. But I did. I've done quite a bit of of golf commentating or or being an analyst mm-hmm. uh, for you know, on the women's major championships. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's um, – I mean, you asked if the golf course design business was tough. I would say this is tough. Uh, it's so easy to turn on the TV and have comments on commentators. But once you sit in that booth on your own, you realize, whoa, this is so difficult. To be able to explain the situation in, in a few words and be quick about it, and then you get in the same situation again and explain the same situation but with different words. And – it's uh I admire those people that that do a really good job it It's tough uh you need to study a lot you certainly need to be up to speed on players or tournaments or sponsors or golf course or whatever it is, even though I've you know played the course, I might know a lot, but I admire them but I also you know it's fun to to analyze the situation and trying to think of what the player is going through and the shot that they're facing or or just from a mental aspect, you know, what do you go through when you come down the stretch? What are you thinking about? And, and what shouldn't you think about how, how to win the majors? So, no, it's been a, a neat experience to be able to do that. Um, you know, I've been in a few situations and some worked and some didn't, but you know, that's how we, yeah. how we get better. Yeah, that's a, I had a, a soccer commentator on one of the world's best soccer commentators and, um, on and he said the same thing. It's totally and completely different role when you're when you're there in the hot seat talking. It's totally different. So it must be that must be difficult. Yeah, but I guess it's it, like anything. Yeah, you you gotta yeah. you gotta practice. You gotta practice. You're gonna be in the seat, um, but it's not yeah. just something you take very lightly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I imagine. All right, out of respect for your time, we need to go. But um, I, oh my gosh, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to talk about? Or is there a question nobody's asked you before in this universe that you'd like to tell us <laughs> about? Or <laughs> There's a lot of interviews with you. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, you, you, you covered quite a bit. I appreciate, you know, letting me speak about my foundation and some of my partners. And, you know, I feel very lucky to still be, relevant in the game of golf after 10 years from, you know, competitive golf. And, you know, obviously I'm thankful for all my partners to let me do what I love and to be able to get back to the game of golf. 
Uh, we so appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Much continued success. I hope you'll come on again in the future with us and give us an update. And it's just been a joy to speak with you and uh, learn more about you and share you with our best ever you audience. So thank you. And thank you for talking about goals and fear too. That really helps people. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me and good luck. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We appreciate Annika Sorenstam being with us. Please visit her website, AnnikaFoundation.org. There's also AnnikaAward.com. I'm going to put up a blog on Best Ever You, um, talking about the show just a little bit, and um, I'll put up her entire bio and links to everything that we've talked about here and more um, on the blog. And I just, oh, what a what a joy to be able to speak with her once in a lifetime opportunity. So again, I'll help to come back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, the Best Ever You show is totally grassroots. When we have our guests on, we love it when you share the show, listen to the show, talk about it, tell somebody, because um, we're coming up on many, many million downloads here, and it's all because of you guys. So I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening, and have a great Best Ever You day. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Annika Sorenstam. It's so cool. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.